Hello guys and welcome to another episode of the Vegan Luna Podcast. In this episode, it's very interesting because we're doing two things that are very different. One, I'm going to get interviewed by my good friend. Second, is I am doing this from across the world. I'm in Saudi Arabia in this podcast and the person that's interviewing me is in Texas in the U.S. So it's going to be very interesting. Please uh, forgive us for the audio. Uh, it's not as perfectly clear as normal, uh, but I think that you guys are in for an amazing show because we talk about a bunch of things. He interviews me, asks me where I'm from. He asks me why I went vegan, all the questions that you would expect. Plus, we get into a very interesting conversation about why some of the ex-vegans have decided to quit veganism. And we talk about the link to raw veganism and how that may be connected or correlated. So stay tuned for episode 11. Uh, welcome to the podcast, brother. How are you? Hey, man, I'm doing great. Uh, I'm uh, over here in the Middle East, uh, and I'm super excited to talk to you. Uh, this has been a, not really a long time coming, but it's been uh, several weeks that we've been talking back and forth, and I'm glad to get this going. Yeah, man, me too, brother. We, me too. I, uh, you're, so you are in the Middle East. I know that uh, you had told me once before that you're in Kuwait, but then today we were talking and you said you're in Saudi Arabia. Is that right? Yeah, for sure. I, I, uh, I like to travel uh, a lot um, and, I, and I'm, I'm not afraid. Um, I know that the American media will make you scared of, of places like these and there's always sure. dangers and risk anywhere you go. Sure. But I'm very fascinated in, in the differences of culture and almost like the extremes um, of culture and, and seeing the differences. Uh, and it's, it's very interesting. You learn so much um, from places like this. And yeah, I'm currently in, in Saudi Arabia, but I'm typically based in Kuwait. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So what's, uh, what's the weather like over there? Okay, so in Saudi right now, um, it's not too hot, uh, surprisingly. Really? Uh, yeah, it, it's, it was relatively cool when I landed yesterday. Um, which is great. And you think of Saudi as, as super, super hot. Um, and of course it is, but Kuwait is much hotter. Oh my gosh. It is, it is unbearably hot in Kuwait. I mean, it's in like, you know, the 115, 120 range. Uh, but luckily it's not a humid heat because um, obviously that's, that's worse. Yeah, sure. For sure. So if you can find some shade, <clears throat> if you can find some shade, it's not too, too tall or too terrible because here if you find shade here and in, in, in the south and near texas and houston i'm in austin right now but yeah if you find the shade here it's just a hot shady sticky wet <laughs> it's just it's not good no i understand completely i lived in houston for three years right 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 well cool and brother it was the first time i experienced real humidity um, oh really yeah, because I'm from California, and, right. and the humidity was real in Houston. Right. <laughs> and and it, was, it, it was beyond unbearable. It's worse, it's worse than Kuwait um, when you right. look at that heat, or even like Arizona, where it has a similar heat of Kuwait, like similar temperatures. Right. And uh, it, it's too much. Like, I remember I didn't have air conditioning in my car in oh. California, and I could handle it during the, winter, during the summer. But I could not handle it in Houston. I had to get that fixed ASAP. Yeah, no, it's 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 
intolerable, man. It's just, it's like walking into a sauna. It is because the sweat, the sweat comes out instantly. It does. It's not like it builds and like, like when you sweat in like dry heat, you almost don't know kind of until you get into a cooler place. You're like, kind of like, man, I'm, I was sweating a lot. Right. When, when it's humid, it's like instant. And it's like, and it's like you're drenched. It like, yep. like in a sauna for sure. Oh yeah, dude. You, you sweat between your fingers, man. I mean, it's that, it's that bad. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, before we get going too deep into it, man, I got, we're going to do a thing called a hot seat. And uh, that's yeah. where, I, yeah, that's where I get to ask you for just, yeah. right. I saw the hot seat. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Four random questions, man. You just answer them to the, to the best of your ability right off the top of your noggin, brother. Yeah. All right. All right. Number one, if you could shrink one object and carry it around in your pocket, what would that be? Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's a, that's a super interesting one. You know, uh, oftentimes when I, when I feel like I'm in a need um, and I need something right away, it's usually my laptop (laughs) because I need to, edit something or record something or post something and your laptop is kind of uh, big and bulky and you carry it on your back or in your backpack or in a bag, you know, my laptop would be the most handy thing I would say. That's um, but if it's not that, it's probably some, it's probably some awesome vegan food, man. If I could just keep like some like large amounts of vegan food that was small in my pocket and just blow it up and pull it out, that'd be great. There you go. Instead there you turn, go. Turn some nuts around yeah, I know, right? Because nut, nuts will fit in, you know, like like walnuts and cashews and almonds, that kind of stuff will fit in your pocket. But, dude, it's uh Yeah, but do you want, like, like a full-course, like, fine-dining meal? That was in my pocket. Like, shoot. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right, number two. What is the weirdest thing that you've ever seen in someone else's house? In <laughs> someone else's house? Uh, man. <laughs> I don't know. That's such an interesting question. Uh, the weirdest thing. Gosh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. That's just so um, weird. I mean, the only thing that comes to my mind, cause this is rapid fire is um, I saw someone that had a rock salt lamp and I didn't know that those were a thing. So I thought like a lamp made out of salt uh, was kind of weird. Um, but when I looked into it a little bit more, supposedly it's supposed to be therapeutic. It's supposed to um, help calm you. Um, and so, yeah, that was pretty weird to me. Because I yeah. was like, why would you have rock salt made out of a lamp? But it makes sense when you look into it. Well, you know, it's just about like anything else, man. No, nobody sees anything, in, you know, until they have. So whenever you hear somebody say, well, I've never seen that before. Well, that's because you've never seen it before. And uh, it may be weird <laughs> at first, but then you realize, hey, okay, well, everybody's got one of these or. So a lot of people have these, so it's not a, it's not as weird, but, uh, yeah, I know, man, I, I thought about that too. When I saw that question, I thought, man, what is the weirdest thing I've ever seen? And I think if I remember back when I was a kid, my uncle had a, my uncle and aunt's house had a lamp that was an oil lamp and it had the oil that was dripping down on the sides. And I just thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen when I was young. And I, you know, to this day, I don't, there must've been something big in the seventies, uh, because you don't see it as much now. It was really cool. Yeah. Really cool. All right, uh, number three, if you could time travel, what year would you visit first and why? Ah, what era? Wow, that's a great one. That's definitely a great question. Well, I wouldn't want to go to like one of those dangerous ones that had like the Black Plague or, or anything like that. I think it'd be more like a, 
I mean, gosh, I, I believe we live in the greatest time right now. And I couldn't imagine being in, except for the dangers of like potentially the climate crisis. But besides that, I think we live in the greatest era of, of mankind. So it's hard to, to think of going back, but maybe a fun time, like when you look back, like a fun time of the 70s, when, when things are becoming more progressive and people are being more outspoken and being more open-minded and, and experimenting and trying new things and just not doing the norm, almost being like revolutionaries and rebels, you know, like 70s, 60s. I think that era is super interesting. And if I could go back in time, the knowledge that I have right now, uh, I mean, you change the world a lot faster. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. For sure. No, for sure. 60s and so I grew up, I, I grew up in, oh, I was born in 1972, but I grew up in the 70s and um, I've always felt that I was born in the wrong era. I thought I was, I should have been born in the 50s because uh, I love 50s music, uh, 50s and 60s music. But that whole 50s, 60s, 70s era oops, uh, was just, oh, I love it, man. The music is great. The vibe is great. Um, I just dig it. And we, we just recently went to go see that movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood the Quentin Tarantino movie. And that whole vibe uh, was just awesome. Just absolutely awesome. The music was stupendous. And then of course, you know, the, the Charlie Manson thing was a whole different deal, but uh, just that whole vibe was really cool. And I, I, I really dig it. I thought that was a great, great era for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Number four is a, would you rather question? And uh, this one's uh, these were always my favorite ones. Um, would you rather always feel like you're going to sneeze but can't or always have or have the hiccups for the rest of your life? <laughs> Gosh, those are horrible. Oh, my <laughs> God. Those are two horrible things. Uh, I mean, no one really likes that feeling of, of about to sneeze. And it kind of makes you have an awkward face. And then the hiccups... I want those both to end as soon as possible. So <laughs> having one or the other, I would say once you have something, you get used to it uh, over time. But when you don't quite have it, but it's almost there, it's going to bother you. Uh, especially if it's the sneeze thing and you just won't sneeze. Like if you always feel like you're going to and you never do, then you'll never have that relief. Um, so that's probably over time would be the worst. And the hiccups is just something to get used to. It's almost like uh, you ever watch Rick and Morty. Oh yeah. Yeah. So like Rick and Morty, like when he gets drunk and he just starts burping, he just gets used to it. Like it doesn't really phase him. Right. Uh, he just alters his speech a little bit and, and then he's good to go. Um, now hiccups suck while you're having them, but if you had them for such a long time, you'd just be used to it like anything else. True. True. I've, I've, had, I've never, I've never had a, a severe case of the hiccups and I know somebody that has, and, and it was, I mean, it went on for, for a week, you know, and, um, it's, I've never heard of a severe case. It's a, it's a, I'm sure it's a pain, but I'm gonna tell you what I have had, you know, sinus infections or, or just an irritation where you feel like you're going to sneeze and you can't, and no matter how hard you try, like you said, you cannot get that relief. It <laughs> is, it is miserable. So I think yeah. I go with the hiccups too, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I only get, I get hiccups when I eat spicy food. Um, and that, yeah. that kind of, I mean, that's your limit. Right. And I love spicy food, but not like crazy spicy where it burns. But when I get the hiccups, it's like, okay, yeah, that's good enough. That's, that's my, that's my level. 
<laughs> I hear you, man. I hear you. Well, that's cool, brother. That's it, that man. That's the uh, that's the hot seat. So you did uh, you did very well, man. You yeah, did- no, I think that's fun and uh, it's uh, very creative. Yeah, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Well, man, you've already you've already told us where you're located and um and everything. So uh, what what do you have planned today, brother? What's what's going on in Kevin's life today? Yeah, so today I'm gonna I do a lot of editing. Uh, so I just finished uh, editing my latest YouTube video on my YouTube channel, the Vegan Luna uh, is what it's called, Vegan Luna, uh, Luna like the moon in Spanish. And uh, I just finished editing that. Uh, so now I'm, I want to post that one and uh, get that one going on. And then I might meet some people because I plan while I'm here um, visiting, I plan to do a couple podcast uh, episodes. I like I like the, the areas where, uh, like I said, a little bit obscure, a little bit different. Uh, people don't get a chance to see. And they're a little bit behind the times. Uh, so stuff like podcasts and stuff is a little bit more rare. Like, I don't know. I met one person in Kuwait that does podcasting. Uh, and so it isn't as common. Uh, stuff like that. So you get a chance to really share some interesting stories. The last person I talked to in Saudi Arabia is the owner of a vegan uh, bakery. And that's what, who I like to talk to is people that are like making differences, uh, making changes in their community, uh, whether big, whether small. I'm a big believer in every form of activism, no matter how big or small matters. It's important. You need to do that. If you could do more, great, do more. But if you're already doing something, you know, keep it up. So, uh, she does, she owns a vegan bakery. And so we just had a great conversation about the, the dangers of diabetes and the myths behind diabetes and how, uh, how uh, potentially a plant-based diet can, can change that and how she uses no sugar in her, in her desserts in, in her bakery. And of course they're vegan and how she tested them out in the hospital like she literally got she was able to test her desserts in the hospital in in saudi and they have a huge epidemic of obesity and diabetes and heart disease and cancer uh it's uh it's it's pretty bad wow that's um that's impressive man uh and i don't mean that in a good way either uh, i didn't realize that the uh, that the the saudi or the, even the kuwaiti culture was you know, experiencing some of the same issues that we are having over here in the States uh, with that, you know, with the standard American diet. I mean, what's, talk about that for a second. I know you're in, uh, you're normally in Kuwait, but in Saudi as well, is it similar? What are the cultures there and what's the food like there? They're very similar. I mean, they just have small cultural differences, you know, um, based on religion and, and, and stuff like that. But I mean, if you look at from the difference between the U.S., and the difference between like almost all the countries in the Middle East, they're so similar um, to us. It's only the ones that live here or local that really know the, the differences. And really culturally, difference difference between like let's say Saudi Arabia and Kuwait is Kuwait is a little bit more open. So Kuwait is is more of a neutral, a neutral type of country. I mean, there's a lot of Americans and what they call expats. An expat is someone that relocates there mm-hmm. uh, and there for work or, or whatever. And the reason why a lot of people might move there um, is because um, I'll get into your question in a minute. I'll just kind of explain a little bit. Uh, But the reason why someone might move there 
is because the Kuwaiti dinar, which is the currency in Kuwait, is the highest value currency in the world. Oh, wow. So it's 3.3 times more valuable than the American dollar, for example. Right. It's interesting. Yeah, so the value is so high. Now, I don't know exactly the reason why it's so high, uh, but it's the highest value in the world. And so they're relatively neutral and they're relatively open. Uh, so, I mean, you don't have to like, the girls don't have to cover their face mm-hmm. or wear, wear whatever they want. You could go out and pretty much do whatever you want. It's one of the few countries that alcohol is illegal. Uh, so you cannot drink um, alcohol. Uh, people get it, you know, through like black market ways or stuff like that, but it's, it's illegal. So like anything that's illegal, people will find a way to get. Sure. Um, and, uh, of course, like anything illegal, there's, there's certain consequences if you're caught. So just like that. Um, and so, uh, as far as food goes, uh, what was really amazingly interesting to me was the amount of American food that they have uh inside the countries both countries and i'm talking fast food like what what food travels the best and what food uh does the best when it does travel it's always the fast food so you got the mcdonald's mm-hmm. you got the burger kings you have the taco bells and those are of course as everyone knows not healthy like right by any of the imagination and you have the pizza huts the Domino's, papa john's they have all that here Wow, and uh, because it is so hot for you know the majority of the world, they do a lot of delivery, so they don't get out much. They don't um, exercise quite as much, and so they're often sitting and eating. Uh, but what is a little bit interesting is they do have a huge amount of gyms. So when they do get out, they do work out. So uh, it's very interesting to see how much a lot of them do work out, not all of them, and and how how unhealthy they typically eat. They eat out uh, on average more than probably any other country in the world because they have so much money. A lot of their money comes from oil, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where they, they get the majority of their money uh, to really support their, their economy. And they give their people money, which is very, I really like that idea. I think it's, I think it's, it's great. Uh, so every month at the same time, uh, the Kuwaitis, uh, they get money. Uh, because just for being a national, uh, so being born in the country, they have uh, perks and stuff like that. They have free health care. Uh, so uh, things that, that you might expect, you know, from a, con- from a country that's doing well uh, financially, um, taking care of their people. And uh, so that's on that side, it's, it's very good. But then you have all the other restaurants. Uh, so the reason why they eat out so much is because there's so much available and they have so much money. So they don't have that that fear of if I eat out, I only can do it once a week. They could do it every day and be fine. Like there's no, there's no risk of them losing out on money or not having enough because next month they're just going to get another big chunk um, of money every single month. And if they're working, uh, then they get double. Um, So they're set uh, as far as money. So there's no reason to, to cook at home uh, unless they just really want to. And there isn't much talk about health. Like you're not going to see too much talks about health. So like, like in the U S we got to a point where we realized that this food is really not healthy. And they started making a shift and start making a change, not even about veganism or anything, just a general healthy shift. And you can see that just starting here in Kuwait, 
you can see a nice shift of health conscious people and spreading messages of health and it becoming popular. So it's really good to see that they're focused on that, but it takes some time. When you get these foods, they're addictive. Uh, but they have like P.F. Chang's and the Cheesecake Factories and all the big restaurants, Texas Roadhouse. Uh, a lot of these places uh, that uh, are not healthy by any means, but they taste good. So uh, they have a lot of that. So I think that's that's a, a big part of what's going on. Wow, sounds sounds just sounds like you're here in the states, brother. I mean, it's uh, when you're walking through the mall, it looks like it looks like the U.S. mall. Wow, that's insane. And uh, and uh, like you said, if they're if they're uh, if they have a, a relatively endless supply of money, uh, and uh, you know, here in the states, they put those they put some of those places that you mentioned uh, in the in the poor areas, and um, you know. D- dollar cheeseburgers and things like that, things that are easily accessible and, and cheap. Uh, that's, you know, that's the reason why we have some of the problems we have in, in some of the poor areas here, but there, it sounds to me like it can, uh, it doesn't really affect them there. They can just eat whatever they want when they want and, and, uh, and, and suffer from the same issues that we have here. So what's the, what's the, uh, the epidemic like of, as far as, you know, chronic, chronic illnesses, diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure, things like that. Is it, is it running pretty rampant there in uh, the Middle East too, Kuwait and Saudi? Yes, it is running completely rampant. It's it's on par with the U.S. now. Uh, so so some of the similar epidemics that are that are plaguing uh, the Western worlds are transferring now towards the Middle East, uh, Saudi and uh, Kuwait are are some of the most obese countries in the world now, and and when you see the the obesity rates and and the numbers, and I don't have all that off the top of my head, uh, but I've been shared with uh, many times with people that are living here, people that are a lot close to it, people that I, I talk to through interviews. And one thing that they that they tell me is is it's very similar. Um, you talk about obesity, you're typically getting diabetes, um, cancers start to form, uh, heart disease, high blood pressure, hypertension, uh, all of those ones that are associated. Uh, with the high, uh, the high weight uh, are also, and associated with the, the diet and the way that you eat are also plaguing uh, the Middle East as well. Wow. It's, it's everywhere. You know, it's everywhere. And they have those blue zones that they call them. And uh, generally those healthy little areas are, are, are areas where you can just, you know, go and find them there out in the rural areas where they mostly eat rice or beans or uh, they don't have these fast food areas. And it's so funny, you know, we think we're, you know, we're on the cutting edge of, of, uh, of, uh, you know, being in front of everybody, you know, and, and just, and just being on the cutting edge of everything. And what are we doing? We're cutting, we're, we're cutting through the, the things that are, that are healthy and, and that are God given to us to, to help us to live a healthy life. And we cut right through that. Being cutting edge, we cut right through that and uh, basically kill ourselves. And then here are these people in these what what you would consider you know rural areas that are shouldn't be, um, or that are sorry that are um, you know, very rural and, and don't have that 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 growth that we have here in the states or where you are now. And they live and they have blue zones and they live what into their hundreds. It's uh, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, it really is simple, and it is it is amazing to see. 
um, places like that. And, and you look at to, to what they're eating and, and yeah, it's mostly plant-based, you know, very, very high uh, carbohydrate, you know, sometimes a little bit of fish, sometimes a little bit of chicken, sometimes, sometimes the meat is maybe once uh, a week, once a month, special occasions. And people think back to, they always say, you know, we've been eating meat for thousands of years. And while that is very true, you're absolutely right. We've never been eating it on the scale that we've been eating it. No. Never. Nobody, no populations could afford it. It was so expensive. It's only very recently that we've been able to maximize the production so much that we can make it cheap that you can eat it three times a day and, and, and actually afford it. And if you look at like some of those food desert places, and I used to not believe in that, uh, but you're, you're someone that travels and sees it firsthand. So I, I believe you, but I was watching a short film about this, um, about this guy and he was creating a vegan restaurant, a uh, soul food vegan restaurant. Uh, and so um, in his soul food vegan restaurant, he was having, you know, like the, the fried chicken, mac and cheese, mashed potatoes, all that stuff. And, and he opened up right next to a McDonald's and he was making a portable and he said that McDonald's closed down. And it's, it's just about people being aware and, and people making a, a impact in those type of places. Uh, but you're absolutely right. If you look at the, the studies of the blue zones, you can see uh, typically what they eat for long periods of time. And it's nothing like what we eat in the West, you know, and you can't compare having a fish pulled right out of the sea once a month or, or once a week or whatever as eating McDonald's and Burger King, you know, whatever, once a day and that sort of stuff. It's not even, it's not even close to the same. No. Um, all the flavors and, and all the additives and all the preservatives. No, no, it's not. No, man, you were right. Absolutely. There's, there's too many preservatives uh, in, in these foods that we have here in the States and I guess in your fast food areas over there. And it's, it doesn't compare anywhere close to what, uh, you know, these people in the blue zones or, in, you know, and even in the rural areas can pull either out of the, out of the ocean or uh, out of their local creeks and rivers. It's no comparison. Yeah, it, it's not something you people typically think about because um, when, you, when you go to places like that, it's cheap, it tastes good. And there's nothing that you're learning uh, that tells you that you shouldn't do it. You, you know deep down it's not healthy and they say don't eat fast food, but you don't really know the extent to it. And oftentimes you don't know where to find cheaper food or more affordable food. I mean, especially in countries like the U.S. and the, the, struggle is, the struggles there uh, with, uh, with money, I, I can understand the, the mindset when someone thinks that they can't afford uh, to eat healthy. They say healthy is expensive. And I thought that for a long time. Sure. Uh, people don't know exactly what healthy means. They might hear it on TV or they might hear it on, on the radio or on Facebook, but they're not usually getting the real truth of, of what is healthy and what is a healthy diet consist of. Yeah, no, no doubt. No doubt. And, and you know, as I know you, you should know this and, and I know, I know this, it, probably everybody that's listening to this knows this. There, there are grocery stores everywhere, you know, and I don't know that I've ever been in one. I've never been in one that you can't walk into. You either look over to your left or to your right. And there's a thing called a produce aisle and just go there and it's cheap. Bananas here are 48 cents a pound. 
you know, an entire watermelon is what five bucks. Can you eat an entire watermelon in one setting? I can. I mean, I know I can, but most people can't. And when they think of a watermelon, they think of a few slices, a few pieces, but, but geez Louise, dude, $5 for a watermelon. And I mean, that's a meal, you know, and it's cheap. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You have, you have the whole produce section. You have, um, I mean, that whole section is, is loaded with, with really things that, that you need. Um, and some parts are more expensive than others and, and that sort of stuff. But I always say that uh, the cheapest things in, this, in the store are, are your beans and your rice. Yep. Uh, and there's whole places, you know, that, like Ethiopia, for example. Um, Ethiopia is a very poor country, and they can only get a certain amount of foods. Uh, and the food that they eat the most, uh, the most common food that they eat is lentils. Uh, and, and a combination of lentils and often rice or uh, lentils and some bread. And between those two sources, it's enough nutrition. It, it hits their protein nutrients that they need. Sure. And uh, they have no problem. Now, is that a, a variety? Is that, is that the best tasting in the world? No, but is that enough for what you need? Those are the cheapest things um, that you can find. And, and they just ha so happen to be uh, uh, no animal products as well. Yeah. Yeah. Variety. People who complain about variety kind of irritate me just a little bit. Uh, I don't know. I say irritate. That's a strong word, but it, it, I almost laugh because I mean, think about it. What, what do we eat? We eat burgers, uh, pizza or Italian. We eat Mexican and that's about it, bro. I mean, that's about it. There's some variances in between, but I mean, standard American diet <clears throat> is a, <clears throat> excuse me, is just that it's three basic sets of three or four basic sets of meals, you know, um, with very little variety. And then when you tell somebody, Hey, you know, let's, let's try to eat, you know, a mono meal or, or maybe like you said, beans and rice or whatever. Oh, it's bland or, Oh, it's not of enough variety. You know, I'm sorry, but, uh, I just don't buy it. I just don't buy it. So bef before we get, uh, too crazy about you. I just, I want to talk about your podcast and what you're doing and, and changing lives that way, man. I think it's absolutely phenomenal. I just want to touch base on your, on your life, man. Talk about, uh, where did, where did Kevin grow up, man? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, um, I'm from San Diego. I'm born and raised in San Diego, California. Yeah. And, uh, I lived a typical kind of poor, uh, growing up, uh, childhood, I didn't have money. My parents didn't have much money. My parents got divorced when I was two years old. And uh, my dad raised me and my sister. And we struggled, for sure, uh, just barely making it. Really, the food that we got is, is, is the, what we had to eat. If we didn't eat that, there was, there was nothing more because that's all that we had. So you eat what you can. And sometimes it's fast food. Sometimes it's dollar burgers. I mean, when my dad's raising us himself, he, he, he did, did cook a lot, but he didn't cook too much. Uh, and so uh, I ate really what Americans eat. When you think burgers and hot dogs and maybe some Mexican food like chorizo and burritos and, and stuff like that. And uh, I grew up and continued to eat that way as, a, as an adult. Uh, I didn't really change too much of how I eat. I think that we learn eating habits from our parents and a lot of people will, will think that, you know, maybe 
diseases run in families, um, but sometimes when you look down to it, often it's the diets that run in the families. And when you take the same diet, you're likely to get some similar or the same disease uh, potentially as your, as your parents might get. Uh, it only makes sense. And uh, so I ate that way. I ate a lot of junk food. I remember uh, I was taking a college course uh, on nutrition and it was the first the first time in my life I was ever confronted with any kind of nutrition education. You don't learn anything about nutrition in high school. You only learn what your parents teach you about nutrition. And I remember we did an activity in the, in the nutrition class. And the activity was about, uh, it was tracking what you ate for a week or for several days. And I remember tracking what I ate and I remember writing it down, thinking of it as a joke. I thought it was funny uh, because it was almost funny, like embarrassing funny. Uh, when I had to share what I ate, it was fast food almost every day. I realized I wasn't cooking. I wasn't doing anything. And you think that that would wake you up. You think that that would be like, hey, bro, you got to make a change. And I didn't make a change. I kept going down that path. I remember going to the hospital um, for checkups, and they said, you're pre-diabetic. You are, uh, your cholesterol is really high. And I used to think, I'm not that unhealthy. Like, I don't eat that much unhealthy food. I thought, I ate chicken. Uh, I would have tomatoes and lettuce on my burger. I, I had no clue what healthy meant and what caused cholesterol. I had no idea what caused diabetes. I didn't know any of that stuff. But what ended up happening is I didn't get diabetes and I didn't have a serious heart attack or anything issue like that. I actually was diagnosed uh, about six years ago uh, with an autoimmune disease. And uh, this auto, are you still there? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I'm here. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, we got that last time. So the autoimmune disease that I had uh, was called, is called ankylosing spondylitis. Right. And what that does, what that autoimmune disease does is basically uh, my immune system goes against my spine. So it attacks my spine and it was causing extreme pain. And I went to the doctors and uh, they diagnosed me with it and they said that I needed to take this medication. The medication was so expensive. It was called Humira. The drug is Humira. Right. And it was an injection, an injection that you're supposed to take every uh, two weeks. And it was, the cost of it was 2000 US dollars per injection. So 4000 US dollars a month. Holy and smokes. Like, yeah, it was crazy expensive. And I'm sure it's probably like $10 in Australia, in Canada. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's the medical system in the US. Yes. And, uh, and so anyways, uh, I couldn't afford it. So I kind of suffered for the next three years or so until I had better insurance, a different job. And I started taking the medication. Now, what this medication does is it, uh, not, not the side effects, there's many side effects, but what this medication actually does is it will weaken your immune system so your immune system doesn't attack your spine. Now, what do you think is likely to happen if you have a weaker immune system? Uh, you catch anything that comes along or, or more susceptible to catch anything that comes along. Colds, yeah. Any, any, yeah, any virus. Exactly. So uh, I got the common cold. Okay. Yep. And I'm the type of person that never gets sick. I really have a very great bill of health 
Um, I never had any health issues until this one. This is really the only one. And and how, how old were you when you were diagnosed with this? Okay. I mean, diagnosed probably like 25 Holy uh, when I was diagnosed. Yeah. So relatively young, but that's common with this particular uh, disease. Uh, it's a, it's a younger one. It's not like you get this yeah. in your you know, 50s or whatever. Right. Uh, I mean, it's a rare, it's a rarity, but the people that get it, it's usually around this age. And, uh, and so I was about 29 at this time when I really started taking the medication. Um, and, uh, and what happened was I did feel better. Uh, my back, the pain and my back started going down. Uh, but I caught the common cold and I usually am, I'm very healthy. I pride myself in never calling in sick. I was sick for three weeks straight. I was mm. so sick. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't go to work. I couldn't do anything. I would, it was, it wiped me out. I couldn't even talk. I, I lost my voice and I was very, very scared. Like for the first time in my life, I was scared of dying. I was scared of, of not getting better. I, I remember thinking, am I ever going to get my voice back? What if it doesn't come back? Right. And so the thing that I did was I stopped taking that medication right away. That was the first thing. I was like, no way. I was like, I'll suffer the back pain. Um, I, I don't want to, I don't want to die. Like uh, uh, that's worse, of course. And uh, but then um, around that time, I, I was going into work and leaving work, and, and I was trying to work because I'm I, I'm trying to, to force myself to work. And right. someone recommended me to watch the documentary called What the Hell. Have you seen it? Oh yes, absolutely. I love that documentary. Yeah. And so I watched What the Hell, and that was the first time I ever in my life uh, heard um, how what we eat can really contribute to some of these diseases and some of these illnesses and, uh, and really why we don't know about it. Uh, so after, after watching that, I said, you know what, I'm just going to give it a shot. I'm going to try it. I'm going to stop the medication. I'm going to try it. So I tried it and, uh, I went fully vegan, uh, pretty much overnight when people talk about going vegan overnight, but it wasn't like, I'm going to go vegan. It's like, I'm going to try this. I want to get better. I told myself I'll do anything to get better anything anything means cut out you know things i enjoy things i like like chicken and enchiladas and burritos and tacos but what i found out is i can get all those same things i was living in los angeles at the time and i realized if i wanted burgers i can go get a beyond meat burger i can go get an impossible burger those were available it wasn't huh. it wasn't it wasn't a hard switch if i wanted mexican food there was vegan mexican food if i wanted chinese food there was vegan options for chinese food so what I found out um, really quick is I could eat almost the same way uh, without without any kind of sacrifice uh, in that in that area. And uh, as far as my health goes and that sort of stuff, the pain in my back started to go away. I don't I don't claim to be I cured my autoimmune disease, but the pain is much less. Uh, sometimes it comes, sometimes it goes. Um, it's definitely much better than it was, uh, but I don't think it's fully away. I'm still in a in a search um, to cure that, uh, and once I once I, I find it, you know, I'll share about it. Uh, but other things that I I found out happened. First of all, my cold clear, cleared up in a week. Right. Uh, that happened. I lost about. Uh, I've been vegan now for like a year and eight months, and uh, within the first six months, I lost about. 45, 40 pounds, 
my skin really cleared up. I used to have a lot of bad like back acne, arm right. acne, pimples on my face here and there. That cleared up. I noticed my skin was a lot clearer. Uh, the normal things like energy levels uh, increasing. Um, but really, what I what I what I found on on that journey is I found almost like a renewed purpose for life. I was really in a place where I didn't I didn't see any purpose to life. I didn't see any value. I didn't see any not like I was suicidal, but any reason to like real meaning and real purpose. Right. And I feel like I've, I've started to find a real purpose this way. Uh, things that I got into after I, the first six months was really about learning. I was learning about uh, the ethics. I watched documentaries like Earthlings and Land of Hope and Glory and Dominion. And, and I really learned about uh, what the animals go through to get on the plate. I learned about the environment. I learned about um, the damages. Uh, that animal agriculture has on the environment from the leading cause, the rainforest de deforestation to species extinction, ocean dead zones, uh, land usage, water pollution, all that sort of stuff. Uh, I've been reading books on that. I've been incredibly fascinated with climate change and global warming and the science behind it and how does it happen and why does it happen and and how are we causing it? And how do we prevent it? Uh, what is likely to happen in the in the near future, and, and that sort of stuff. So I learned that in really the first six months, and I'm continuing to learn every day. So after that, I I told myself, okay, I really want to help. I really want to make an impact. I'm tired of just sitting on the sidelines and 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 being selfish. I felt selfish by I have this information that I felt. Nobody has this information and, and people need to know because if it changed my life, it could change somebody else's. And I always liked helping people. I always liked um, trying to make a difference in, in people's lives positively. I always wanted to uh, share knowledge and, and, and make people's lives better if I can. And so I decided to create my YouTube channel. Uh, as I mentioned before, Vegan Luna, uh, I created my YouTube channel. I went really heavy on Instagram, uh, really heavy on, on Facebook sharing. Uh, I lost a lot of friends. Uh, one thing that I found out really, really quickly is people don't want to hear this. People don't want to hear, um, that you changed your life. Uh, people don't want to hear that you're making an impact. People don't want to hear, uh, bad things about their habits. No one wants to be challenged. Um, and it, it goes deeper than, than, uh, than just, I, I want to eat this food. I mean, you're cutting into people's culture. You're cutting into people, people's potential religion. You're cutting into, um, you're basically telling them, hey, everything that your mom cooked is not good for you. You're, you're cutting so much deeper uh, than, than you might realize. And I quickly learned that. And I learned that uh, it's about uh, the approach. It's about uh, education. It's about finding how to make people aware in a positive way. I mean, I've lost friends. I've, I've had family members that don't talk to me. And I realize that it's much bigger than me. It's much bigger than, than how I feel or how they feel. Uh, if, if there wasn't activists or people that are being active, I would have never made a change. I would have never made a change in other people's lives. 
if the people that didn't make the, the documentary What the Health ever thought that it was important to share that information, I would have never had that information if I only hear the information from the big corporations uh, and the pharmaceutical companies and the uh, animal agriculture and the government and what they want me to hear. I'm going to do what they want. Um, I don't always believe that, that what they want is in our best interest. Uh, if it was, we wouldn't have the epidemic, epidemics that we have. And so uh, that was the first thing I started doing and then into the podcast, which is really what your, what your, your question was all about. Uh, then I decided to start the podcast. And, and how that came about is uh, my, my dad died about two years ago. Uh, he actually... That was two years uh, ago? That was two years ago? Uh, yeah, a little over two years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. And, uh, he committed suicide. And I talk about it openly. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I think it's, it's been a very powerful thing for me. I, I don't, of course, I love my father. I miss him. He was my role model. He's my world. He's my everything. But I, I tried to, it really woke me up. Um, I felt, I think I was sleepwalking. I think I was just doing what, what they wanted us to do in the system. Mm -hmm. Go to school, try to get good grades, try to get a good job and uh, try to work your way up the corporate ladder. And I think that's exactly what they want us to do. And I, it kind of woke me up because when he passed away, he didn't leave any reason why there was no signs of depression. There was no signs of him leaving this world so suddenly. And so we were left with just questions of why. You can only speculate. Was it money related? Was it, was it fighting with the wife? Was it um, the job? Was it the kids? Was it the government? Whatever. You know, you, you ask a lot of questions. But I can only come up to my own conclusions. And, and what I immediately summed it up to was money. Uh, I think he was very scared because he was nearing retirement. His health wasn't in the best shape. And he had nothing. And I think that he felt that um, if he had nothing left over, how is he going to survive? How is he going to make it? He did the same job for 40, 50 years, and he hated it. He hated it so much, and he never had enough courage to make a change. And I looked at my own life afterwards, and I said, well, how can I make a change there? So I thought, well, how can I be smarter about my money? Um, how can I potentially look at other jobs or other avenues? How can I look at other things? So I went on a, on almost an exploratory mode and I started trying new things, trying different things. I became really open-minded. I was very close-minded, very narrow-minded. And I think his um, sudden death opened my mind. So shortly after that, I went vegan. Uh, shortly after that, I, I started exploring other opportunities for, for work and, and, and trying to find out, instead of what am I doing that people want me to do, what am I going to do to make myself happy? So I started exploring that. And I came across this guy. His name is uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. He goes by Gary V. Right. And uh, he's a big entrepreneur. He creates lots of businesses. Uh, he's a social, mo social media guru. And uh, I really watched his content. And the one thing that I... Uh, or a few things that I learned from him is about not listening to what people say, not listening to what society tells you to do, not listening to all the negative feedback and just making yourself happy, looking for ways to make yourself happy. 
And he inspired me to create my own YouTube channel. He inspired me to create my own podcast. And uh, I, he just says, just go for it. Just do it. Um, and just fail and just try. Uh, and there's a, there's a saying that says, uh, it talks about growing a tree and planting a, planting a seed and planting a tree. Mm-hmm. And it says the best time to plant a tree or plant, yeah, to plant it and grow a tree is 20 years ago. And the second best time is now. And I really love that that saying, and I use it all the time. And I say to people that are like, oh, I'm thinking about starting a YouTuber. Oh, I'm really thinking about starting a podcast. Or, oh, I, I was thinking about starting a website. And I say, it depends on, it depends on the particular um, timing. Sure. Uh, but like, let's say a uh, podcast, you know, like podcasts have been around whatever, 10 years, eight years, whatever it is. I say the best time to start a podcast is five years the second best time is now. That's right. And so uh, I truly believe that. And I mean, it's so true. And so I just decided to do it. And I, and I started it. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was made a lot of mistakes. I made a lot of errors. But I learned from every single mistake. And I learned from every single error. And what I found is I absolutely love it. I joke about this all the time. I want to be like Joe Rogan where I'm just sitting in my studio I talk to, you know, to people two, three times a day. Someone else does all the recording and all the editing. And what I love the most about it is the connections that I make with people that I would have never talked to and would have never um, uh, learned about. And it's, a, it's the ultimate like mutual benefit. We both benefit. I benefit from this conversation by sharing it on my platform. You benefit from me sharing it on my platform and vice versa. You right. benefit from this conversation by sharing on your platform. And I benefit from you sharing it on your platform. My followers become your followers. We learn each other. Um, it's uh, cross promotion in the most purest, um, selfless uh, sense. Uh, and I, and I really love that part of it. I think it's so fun uh, talking to people. I've always been a talker. And I really enjoy this. I think it's, uh, I think the best decision I ever made in my life and I wish I did sooner was going vegan. And I think the second best decision is starting a podcast. Oh yeah. Uh, Cause this, this is super fun and you learn so much. What people don't realize is I learn something from every single person I interview. I learn way more than I ever would have in school I learned way more than I ever would have in college. I learned more than I would have ever learned at a job uh, or from my knucklehead friends. <laughs> yeah. I learned a lot because people that decide to do a podcast or decide to do an interview, oftentimes they're change makers. And oftentimes they are, are seeking to, to make positive results in the world and make the world a better place. And you could really learn from their experiences. And the, the same thing, the same reason that reading a book from someone that had an incredible story makes you smarter and wiser and more educated is because you take 40 years or 50 years of experience and you condense it into a short amount of time and you grow, you grow from that much faster than you could from any other kind of medium and, uh, and, and podcast and sound and is amazing. And, and what I really, really focus on when I, when I share my podcast, like really my philosophy is very similar as yours. I want to know um, why 
did you go vegan? And I want to know how you're being active. And the reason why is, first of all, uh, there are so many different reasons why people go vegan. Uh, I have had people that go vegan for the health. I've had people that go vegan for environmental reasons. I've had people go uh, vegan because of what they've seen in, in a slaughterhouse or footage that they never heard. And there's so many other reasons. People that struggled from a disease, they cured the disease, they reversed it. I have a friend that reversed type 2 diabetes. There's so many reasons that people decide to go vegan. And I want to share those reasons because that story and why people go could connect to someone. I don't know who's listening right now, but if somebody is struggling from an autoimmune disease and they could take something from my autoimmune disease and, and how I was affected and it makes them a better person and they're healthier, they suffer less, I'm so happy to make that difference in that person's life. The second thing is uh, going active. Um, as I spend time on social media, Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, and I read through the comments and what I find a lot is people saying they're more vegan than you or they're that holier than thou uh, philosophy and um, I'm more active than you or you should do this and, and I really hate it. So what I want to share is that there's so many different ways that you can be active. Some people cook. That is amazing. Cook and do your thing and share about, uh, your recipes. What I, what I encourage people to cook is I say, hey, create a recipe book. Hey, create an ebook. Hey, make videos. I even I even offered to make videos for people. Um, I've offered to many people to make videos. If you look at my Instagram mm -hmm. or uh, my Facebook, you'll see videos of of food that I created for someone else. I'll take the footage um, and I'll create the video. I'll do that, and I think that that that's a way that you could really um, uh, be active. I, I know that people that talk to people on the streets, um, showing slaughterhouse footage and anonymous for the voiceless or cube of truth or doing uh, active uh, movements like protests, that's also being active. Uh, and that's what people think of uh, doing a podcast, making a YouTube channel. There's so many different ways that you can be active. So on my channel, I want to share the way that people are are being active and why they went vegan um, to encourage people that are one that are doing something positive keep doing that and two you can do more there you might have an idea um, that comes to your head or that I sh that we share on the YouTube channel you just run away with so for example I was uh, messaging someone on Facebook just recently and I told them they were talking about um, uh, going through the drive-thru. They said, oh, what if, they're like, you know what, I really don't eat fast food. Um, I think it's unhealthy. I don't want to eat fast food. But I do understand um, Beyond Meat Burgers or the vegan options and how making them available is very important. And they said, I could go through the drive-thru at a fast food restaurant and just ask for a vegan option and then leave and, and do nothing. And that makes an impact. And I was like, you know what? You could do more than that. I said, why don't you start your own organ, your own, your own uh, group, and send out emails, send out letters, and really target specific organizations and asking for vegan options, and just take like two hours out of a Saturday or two hours out of a Sunday, get a group of like five to ten people, and just blast um, um, individual. Uh, organizations and she's like you know what that's a great idea and right away she created a page um, I forget exactly the name of the page I can I can look it up 
Um, and she created a page right then and there, invited people, and she decided to take that, take that action and go through it. And all I did was share the idea. And, and I'm all about sharing ideas and, and, and getting people to do small things to be active. A lot of people that are vegan, they're like, I, I, I love the message. I love what we're doing. I want to help animals. I want to help the environment. I want to help people, but I just don't know what I can do. I can't do anything. I'm, I'm in this area. I don't have this. They make a lot of excuses what they can't do. I want to cut all those excuses and say, well, if you can't do that, try this. If you can't do that one, try this. And I just want to basically make a world where there's no excuse not to be active uh, uh, for this planet and for the animals. Well, yeah, absolutely. We get, you know, we get one, um, you know, you get one planet, one body. And uh, we were fortunate enough, blessed enough for that to be given to us. And uh, we seem to trash both uh, for some reason or another. That's what we do. And I can't for the life of me understand why we do that to ourselves and then to the planet, then turn around and ask for prayers or, or, uh, uh, you know, you, we, you know, we, we ask for GoFundMe pages and things like that to try to, to try to bring awareness to something that we basically kind of created on our own. And, um, and like you said, just, just get up, do something, uh, uh make an impact you make an impact with yourself first. I've, you know, I've mentioned this before. If, um, I treat, uh, the plant-based lifestyle, I did it for health reasons. I did it for selfish reasons and I had to, I had, to, I, I didn't have a choice. Um, and some people will say, well, you know, we did it for the, the, the animals for ethical reasons or for environmental reasons. Like you said, there's usually three reasons, health, environmental, or ethical. Uh, I did mine for health and I, and I had to be selfish and think of myself. And, and like I said, uh, it's, it's almost like being on an airplane and when the, uh, you know, they tell you, Hey, when the oxygen masks drop, make sure you put the oxygen mask on yourself first that way that you can help others. Well, I can't help animals if I'm not healthy and living, uh, you know, a healthy life. I can't help the environment or the planet unless I'm healthy and living a healthy life. And, um, but yeah, yeah, you know, you said you've lost friends and, and people along the way, and you have to understand that this is, um, food is, is deeper than religion or politics. Um, you know, very few people will refer to their religion as theirs, I mean, they'll say, you know, I am this, I'm that, but very few refer to their religion as theirs. Very few people refer to politicians or political beliefs as theirs. But by God, when they talk about food, that's their bacon, that's their pizza, that's their burgers. You can't, I'm not going to give up my bacon. I'm not going to give up my pizza or my cheese. First of all, it's not yours. It's not yours to give. It's not yours to give up. That, you know, that was a, a, a living, breathing organism that was taken or fluids from another living, breathing organism that was taken. And uh, it, it's not yours to get. And it's death. And that's, uh, that's unfortunate, too. You know, you, people are what you eat. And um, if you're eating death, you're going to, that's what you're going to come, that's what's going to be the outcome, you know, is death. And some slower than others. And uh, that's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. You know, I was, I was, I was looking up. I've, I've done some research on a lot of autoimmune disorders, and ankylosing spondylitis is is definitely one of them. And it's kind of funny that um, this one has peaked its head or reared its head here recently. I, you know, it's almost like things come in cycles, <clears throat> and um, you know, heart disease. Uh, 
diabetes and things like that, those things have, have always been around. But it seems like I, I had never heard of ankylosing spondylitis until just here recently. It's all over everything. It's everywhere. And, and I'm always wondering, always kind of curious, and it may be the, I don't know, the conspiracy theorist in me, but I always wondered why, why now? Why is this so prevalent now? But in general, it's just an autoimmune disorder. And, um, and uh, I mean, I don't say that lightly, but, uh, but multiple sclerosis is an autoimmune disorder. Um, there are, you know, there's so many uh, autoimmune disorder, autoimmune disorders, but they all come from inflammation. And uh, Dr. Brooke Goldner has a great, she had a great webinar the other day where she talks about uh, uh, inflammation, where it comes from. And inflammation basically comes from either animal fat or omega-6 uh, fats will produce it as well. And we tend to ingest way much more than we should uh, in those areas. And if you will reduce the inflammation, you can reduce the disease. And um, most diseases, if not all, are due to inflammation. You said your acne cleared up. That's a result of inflammation. You said your uh, ankylosing spondylitis cleared up. That's due to inflammation or, the, or you know, the removal of it. And so, yeah, absolutely a vegan diet. And even and you can go a step further, you know, um, to a whole food plant-based diet. Then you can go an even step further and go to what, well, I, I eat a raw uh, plant-based diet. And at the end of the day, if we can eat food at its closest natural form, it's going to be better for us. If you just got to get there. You just got to get to the closest natural form that it was designed to do. And, um, and we're designed to eat a specific way. And if, I think if we just do that and get out of our body's way, it'll heal itself. You know, it's funny. You said you, you got a cold and it lasted three weeks. You know, everybody wants to fight for the cure. Everybody wants to find the cure. We can't even cure a cold. Think about that for a second. Your doctor cannot cure a cold. You know, you can't, your body, your body heals itself. And that's a good example that because the medication that you were on, it was, uh, it took three weeks for it to heal. And I think what would you say? You're, you're changing your diet pretty much did that. Um, usually it takes yeah. what, a week, seven days, something like that. You just took three. Yeah. Weeks. Cause, cause what happens with, with the type of medic, like type of medication like that typically is if you look at any, any commercial in you know any ad ad for for medicine in the u.s uh on tv what you'll see is you'll you'll see the drug and whatever the drug is lipitor whatever and it says okay and they by law they have to say what the side effects are right so they tell you all the side effects and it's always right. scary uh, but after that they say you know um, if results worsen or if you experience this please see your doctor well the reason why they say that is because they want you to buy more. So if I were to not do the route that I did, and I said, I went back to the doctor and said, hey, doc, I'm experiencing this. Guess what they're going to do? They're going to medicate you for that. Another drug. Sure. Right? And then there'll be another side effect, and then it'll bring me back in. They're designed to bring you back in. Uh, if they don't bring you back in, it's like it's like you're a repeat customer. If you're not a repeat customer in a business, does that business fail or does that business flourish? It fails absolutely, and there's there's absolutely no money in health. 
are people exactly. be, are being are people being healthy? Let's put it that way. There's no money. Oh, yeah, there's no money. I mean, you you don't make money on selling broccoli, no. and there's no big broccoli lobbyists either. No. They're fighting or or substitutes, right? Or, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what happened for most Americans is the the is that they get into um, that cycle, right? They go back to the doctor for more, um, and then they end up, you know, and all of a sudden now they got 20 different prescription drugs. That's right. Now my mom. My mom is a perfect example. That's exactly what happened to her. She's probably on like 15 or 20 different prescriptions. And a month after I watched What the Health and I started feeling healthier and better, I said, you have to watch this documentary. You watch this. I bought her Netflix. I said, here's the Netflix. You need to watch this. And I said, once you're done watching this, let me know. She watched What the Health and then she afterwards she said, I guess we're going vegan. I was like, yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> She went vegan one month after me, and now um, she's she probably dropped her prescription drugs and what she's taking um, by over half. Um, and it was so hard for me to keep up with what she has. I mean, I know she had uh, she was overweight, uh, she was diabetic, she was um, had um, uh, seizures, um, and nearly all of that has been corrected, but. The most amazing thing, because I moved um, to Kuwait one month after I was vegan. So really, right after she went vegan, I had about a week with her. I taught her how to cook. I taught her how to, you know, really do it um, and, and take care of herself. And then I left. I wish I had more time. I'm actually surprised that she's been able to maintain um, without really much support. But I was very supportive over the phone. And then uh, her problem is she, she loves the junk food. Um, but you know, it still made her better. But the thing that blew me away the most for her, uh, is when she, when like technology started becoming a little bit cheaper, she got an iPad and for the life of her, she couldn't figure out the iPad every day. She's like, how do I use this thing? How do I do this? It's doing this. I don't know why it's doing that. How do I connect to the Wi-Fi? She just couldn't really understand, um, the basic um, basic things of, of the new technology. And I just attribute it to, you know, I mean, she's older and it's hard for her to understand. It, it's, I mean, it's a little bit complicated, you know, at first. It sure. takes time. Um, she'll get it, but she never did. She just never, she never could figure it out. It was always something and it was always basic stuff. So when I moved, I knew that she had those struggles and, and I was a little bit worried she had someone living with her that would help and stuff like that. But uh, over time, within a few weeks, I realized that she started being able to use those technologies much easier. She, oh, she made an Instagram account. She made a Facebook account. She made a Snapchat account. Uh, she was able to understand the Wi-Fi. She was able to create videos and post videos. And I was blown away not only with her ability to really comprehend the technology and she just couldn't like for a long time. Like, I mean, it's not like an, I mean, how long has the iPad been out? It's not right. new technology. It's not like, okay, it'll be a week. Like there was years where she couldn't figure this out. Uh, and within a matter of weeks, she was able to figure this stuff out. But the other thing was conversations on the phone. She was more coherent. She was more aware. She was able to really have a, a normal conversation with me over the phone. And I, I later found out that um, 
when you don't eat these animal products, um, your blood uh, clears up. The amount of cholesterol and saturated fat that's blocking your your blood, it flows everywhere. Sure. Um, oftentimes people don't realize that something like uh, uh, something like erectile dysfunction is often the first sign of, of problems with your arteries, problems with your with your blood flow, because obviously you need blood to get that going. But it also affects your brain. Sure. So her brain was, I, I don't know, because I didn't take a CAT scan or I didn't take a MRI or anything on her. But what I could see is her, her, her awareness and her ability to use her brain was at a higher function. And I'm pretty sure it was the blood flow. Pretty sure there was blockages up in her brain and they were able to, they were unblocked um, because your body, like you said, it heals itself. And I think her brain healed itself. Oh yeah, I think, you know, you also have to think about this too. If she was on um, high cholesterol medicine, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to diagnose her by any stretch of the imagination, but if she was on any kind of uh, high cholesterol medicine, um, that would be because your liver is uh, struggling and you will have uh, elevated liver enzymes Elevated liver enzymes can cause uh, dementia, forms of dementia. Um, <clears throat> it just, you know, depending on the severity of it. And so the removal of the uh, cholesterol, the removal of that, the, the, you know, the necessity to take that medication may have helped as well, as well as the, uh, the positive blood flow to and from the, uh, from the heart to the brain and to your extremities and whatnot. I mean, the the cool thing about the human body is is that it's it's perfectly designed to run at an optimum level. All you got to do is just give it optimum fuel, and uh, we tend to not do that, and uh, seems to wonder. And then we seem to wonder why it doesn't work the way it should. So yeah, absolutely, that could have been the reason uh, that she was having trouble, you know, participating in simple tasks or which what we would think is simple task. And you're right, you know, a couple of weeks, you know, they're they're kind of not new, they're not familiar with the technology and. They should get it. Um, that length of time, yeah, that's probably that could be a good, good indication of what she was uh, going through. You know, you know, you talked briefly about your dad, and and I know just from you know, past interviews that you've had, I, I know that family means a lot to you. I I can tell, I can hear it in your voice uh, when you talk. You know, you talk about your dad, and he he had committed suicide. I wanted to touch on him. If I could, right quick, what's his name? What's your dad's name? Uh, Gene. Gene. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I have an uncle Gene, uh, my dad's brother. Uh, he's passed away recently, but uh, yeah, I just, I never, I had never heard your father's name, man. And, and um, I just wanted to you know, put a name to the, to the story. And um, it's a, it's, it's a, it's an incredible thing that he did he, he he took you and your your sister uh raised you guys did the best that he could probably a job that he hated like you said <clears throat> and did the best that he could and provided you with the life that he he thought he you know was doing the best that he could was it the greatest was it were you rich no of course not you know but were you suffering it didn't sound like you were you sound like you had a you loved your dad and um i think he uh he instilled this drive in you uh, that is obvious. Yeah. It's obvious. And I think him, you know, doing what he did, it could have, it could serve as, as a wake up call to you. You know what I mean? Um, it, it, it could have very well just been a catalyst that turns your life around that who knows how many people you're going to touch. 
you know, and I think that, that, I think that has a lot to do with it. So I, I, people wonder, you know, why, 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 uh, you know, let's, uh, let's just take it what it was. It was a, it was an event. It was a sign. It was a, it was a catalyst that, that sprung you forward and who knows where you would have been if he would still be around, you know? And, um, I think he did, I think he did what he had to do and, and, um, and now you're doing what you have to do and, and you're reaching people that you never thought you would reach before. Think about that for a minute. You know, it's impressive. It's absolutely impressive. So we got to give him much love for, for first of all, raising you, um, the way he did and, 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 and still in that drive into you, but, it, and, and also in the turn being that catalyst that, that sprung you forward. Yeah. I'm appreciative every day for, for what he did. And, and you know, you wish that he didn't make that, that last decision, his final decision, sure. uh, be that. There's always a better way. Uh, uh, and and if, if he was only able to talk, and that's why that's why I think talking and, and sharing your feelings and sharing how you how you how you feel are, are very important. I think that as as men in, in today's society, we're we're taught to hide our feelings. We're taught that showing our feelings is a sign of weakness. Uh, we're taught that that. Uh, you know, men don't cry. You need to be tough, and and all these sort of things that are just. I, I believe that uh, that we're a lot more similar to to females than we want to give ourselves credit to. Uh, like we are all human, and we're a lot more similar than we are different. Uh, if you look at the similarities and you add up the differences, like it's like. It's literally like we're 95% similar and 5% different between uh, male and females, but, but society doesn't teach us that. Um, even from a young age, as we're born, uh, we, are, we are taught um, that, you know, girls like pink, and you, before you're even born, your parents are painting the, painting the room pink and buying uh, Barbie dolls and and stuffed toys and, and stuff like that. And in the boys' room, it's like uh, airplanes and cars and trucks, and the, the room is blue. And even be, even as the, the ceremony for, for deciding if it's a boy or a girl, it's pink or it's blue. And it's just, it's just forced on us um, from the time that we're born. And, and, uh, and I think that a lot of his feelings were, were repressed um, because he wasn't taught that it's okay. It's okay to, to share. It's okay to, to, to let go. It's okay to, to feel all of the emotions because they're there for a reason. We have feelings and emotions for a reason. And I think that I've learned that. Um, and, and I try to express them all um, and, and feel them all. I think it's important to feel them. If you, if you, if you try to suppress them, it's always going to mount up in, in some kind of negative way. But beyond that, he taught me to work hard. The reason why I work hard and, like, I mean, we got finished talking in my time at 1 a.m. Uh, last night, and I was up at 6.30 a.m. And that's not normal. That's not every single day, but I have no problem. And when I think about it, the small amount of suffering that I might go through on a day-to-day basis is nothing. It pales nothing into comparison when I truly look at the victims in this world, whether you look at humans or non-humans uh, and the animals and, I mean, the amount of torture that they go through about 70 billion land animals a year, 2.7 trillion marine animals. Uh, that kind of suffering is nothing compared to getting a little bit of sleep every once in a while, or even, even a family member dying. How many family members die 
um, in in animal agriculture. Like they're seeing their their babies ripped from them. They're seeing their loved ones killed right before their eyes. They're seeing their friends um, slaughtered in, in horrible ways. Uh, so it, it's it, it's it's horrible. Um, you know what I go through, but it's nothing compared to what some other people and animals go through. No, absolutely. I mean the the um, you know I I, I true I I see all life as precious. You know. Um, I grew up, you know, in the South. I've told my story before. I grew up in the South, and I, uh, I grew up in a very Christian conservative home. Um, I pro life, and and you know, during my time as as a as a non vegan, um, you know, I hunted and fished, and um, I killed a lot of deer, and I, I I caught a lot of fish. I ate a lot of fish, and and I always considered myself pro life. And but then when I went to vegan, I um, uh, you know, for, of course, first plant, plant based, and then later on, to su- realize that I didn't need to have those uh, those animals, and they didn't need to suffer and die. Pro life took on a whole new meaning to me. Um, I realized that hey, you know what? All life is precious. There's no reason in the world why we should be slaughtering these animals, and and they have every much as right or every much of a right to be alive as a, as a baby that I, that I, that I fight for as well. So that is an eye opening experience to me. Um, I've, I've become more aware uh, of, of people and, and, and how they feel and what they feel and what they think. I come more aware. I've become more aware of, of animals and what they, how they feel and what they think. And also the environment. And I realize that we all share this planet together, you know, and, at the end of the day, life and love is most important, and it's too short for it not to be. It's way too short. So, and also, I've, I've come to the conclusion that, yeah, we all have personal problems. You know, when somebody says, "Well, I have a personal problem," really, do you? Is your personal problem any different than someone else's personal problem? You know, you have a problem. Address it. Fix it. You know, don't consume yourself with me and my personal problem, because I guarantee you, whatever problem I've ever had, and I've had some some pretty shitty problems with my genetic disorder. But, dude, there's people like you, know, you, you have this this disorder. There's people who are born with uh, way, way, way worse issues than I have. So my personal problem is is just being kind of selfish. And um, I have to think of others, too. And. I think yeah. at the end of the day, if we would just realize that we're all in this together, we're all on the same planet, we're all one, let's just love each other, live together, and do the best we can. That's, that's the way I look at it. Yeah, and, 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 and that's not that crazy. That's not radical. That's not hmm. extreme. Hmm. Uh, it's what the world needs. I mean, imagine if everyone had that thought process and actually took the actions towards it. So many people think, I want world peace, I want to love, I want to be caring, and their actions don't align with their beliefs. Um, and the truth is, like, most people believe that, um, but their actions don't always show it. Uh, so it's, it's oh, very tough. I'll give, you a, uh, I'll give you a specific, for instance, I, I, was, I was told this not too long ago, and, it, and it's, it rings true. Not every environmentalist is vegan but every vegan is an environmentalist. And if you are, and if you are so 
concerned about the environment, so concerned about plastic straws, you know, they will, I'll give you, for instance, we went to uh, HEB the other day uh, here in Texas. I know you're, you, you've lived in Houston, so you know what an HEB is. Yeah. And uh, they said, well, do you have a bag? And we said, well, no, we don't have a, we don't have a bag. And they said, well, you have to purchase these bags. And I said, what? They said, yeah, well, you, you, if you don't have a bag, you have to purchase one. We're trying to reduce, you know, plastic consumption. And I thought to myself, are you freaking kidding me? You have aisles and, and rows of animal products that contribute way more, way more problems to the environment than a, a couple of damn plastic bags. Now, I don't mind. I mean, I know the, the, the plastic police may jump on me on this, but, but give me a break. You know, but they, they seem to be con more consumed with plastic straws than with slaughtering animals and, and, and decimating rainforests. You know, that's, that kind of irritates me. So people who say they're trying to do things for the environment, uh, you know, I'm, sorry, I'm not, I'm not buying it. Not a hundred percent. Yeah, no, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. And, and I, and I, uh, I come to this, a very similar conclusion. Uh, however, I believe that we all have to start somewhere. And I think that, uh, that's, that is just the beginning and, and, you know, we can't, we can't sprint before we run or jog and we can't, we can't jog before we walk and, and, uh, we can't walk before we crawl. So, so I look at like plastic bag usage as an example of, you know, that's just crawling, right? Okay. That's great. What's the next step? Okay. Maybe eliminating all the plastic. Okay, great. How else can we help the environment? Um, you know, maybe adding a lot more vegan options, right? Um, so those are like the different stages. So I don't look at it as, it depends on the individual. You know, if it's like, you know what, we made it. We finally um, accomplished this and that's it. We stopped there. That's a problem. Okay. Uh, but if you're making small steps uh, towards it, and I don't like the term baby steps, uh, because if somebody cuts out dairy completely out of their out of the diet, and yes, they could do more. That needs to be rewarded, and that needs to be say, "Great job, keep it up." But what's stopping you from taking the next step, or how do we get to the next step? How can I help you um, do a little bit more? Uh, same thing with the plastic um, that I look for. There's much worse, absolutely. But same with a vegan product inside a inside a uh, fast food establishment. Right? Are we going to just avoid that fast food establishment altogether because of the amount of cruelty that they provide, or or all the other issues that that fast food place might have, um, and just completely ignore the vegan option? You could do that for sure. You can do that, but then they won't sell the vegan option. Then they'll take it off the menu, and now there are no vegan options. Instead of a McDonald's where it's where it's you know whatever millions of people that might eat that vegan burger. Uh, at a McDonald's, now they have nothing. Now you're back to square one. Whereas, at least people in those food deserts that you talk about, at least they could, they don't have an excuse because they have a vegan option. Maybe they try that vegan option and it opens up their mind. Maybe they say, hey, you know what? I can do this. If I can have a McDonald's burger, uh, you know what? I'll start cooking. I'll start that. I'll start looking up recipes. I'll start. It's a start. So all I'm saying is it isn't the answer uh, for sure. There's a lot more we can do, but I support starting somewhere because we all have to start somewhere, right? When I started my first podcast, 
had to start somewhere. I didn't have 100 episodes. I didn't have 1,200 episodes like Joe Rogan. I had to start with episode one. And eventually, hopefully I'll get to episode 1,500. But I have to start at episode one. So that's my philosophy on it. Um, does that make does it make sense? No, it absolutely makes sense. And like you said, if, if they have, um, if you stop, if you say, we'll, we'll, we'll do the straws and I'm doing my part with the straws. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, doing away with plastic straws, I'm all for it. I, there's nothing I hate worse than finding out that, uh, you know, a whale or anything animal life had uh, swallowed a, a bunch of plastic and has, has died because of it. Um, I, I don't want to belittle that at all. But my, my point is, is that you have governments who will, will jump on the straw bandwagon, the plastic straw bandwagon. But the second you mention no beef, no chicken, no eggs, no dairy, things that are subsidized and where they're making super, uh, you know, incredible amounts of money, they will be quick to shoot you down or belittle yeah, it. Um, you know, I, I love, I think, right. I, I love somebody had asked Al Gore once, you know, because of his uh, documentary, uh, Inconvenient Truth, they asked him about eating plant-based and he said, oh no, you can't, you can't take away people's cheeseburgers. And those kinds of remarks or those kinds of, um, I don't know, the hypocrisy of wanting to do one thing. I mean, I mean, look at Leonardo DiCaprio, that guy, he's, man, he's, he walks the walk and talks the talk, man. And I, 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 I applaud him for that. You know, I don't agree with everything he says, but, uh, you know, politically speaking, but I do, I do admire the guy for being able to step up to the plate and go, Hey, look, man, I'm, I'm here for the environment. I'm here for the, the ethical treatment of animals and I'm going to do my part and I'm going to, I'm going to go plant based. And he does. And so when the government will pick and choose their battles all the while behind the scenes, you know, shaking hands, making deals and diverting your attention, that kind of stuff irritates me. And yeah. we all make a, make a change. And that change is a really simple one. And if it is a baby step, it's uh, going to the store and it's, or instead of going to McDonald's for, for breakfast and getting a sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit and a hash brown and a, and a coffee, how about we stop off at the HEB or the local grocery store, walk into the produce aisle and spend, drop five bucks and buy 20 bananas. You know what I'm saying? And, or how about you go into, go into HEB or, or any of your local grocery stores and grab a melon take that sucker out. I mean, I do that a lot. I'll take a melon out. I've got, I've got videos of myself, you know, dropping the tailgate at the job site. I'm on a construction site. I got my hard hat on, man. I dropped the tailgate, cut the melon open. I got breakfast, bro. It's two fifty for breakfast and I'm not contributing to the, you know, the detriment of the environment, um, to the killing of, of animals. And I'm definitely not doing to the detriment of my body. I'm feeding it. So I think we can all, take baby steps as long as we don't stop at baby step number three. Like you said, move forward, progress, move to the next step. What can we do? And um, yeah, we get one planet, bro. That's it. Just one. We get one body. That's it. Yeah. I'm all for that. I have a question for you though. Yeah, man. Uh, something I don't know. I'm not super educated on. I understand the raw food or the raw vegan diet um, mm -hmm. a little bit and some of the principles and mm -hmm. the belief behind it. Um, and the only thing that concerns me um, with that uh, is the, the amount of 
what they call ex-vegans uh, that have decided to post on YouTube and make a lot of their followers uh, understand that they have no longer decided to follow uh, the vegan diet or vegan lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and oftentimes they have some health issues that, that come arise and they, uh, they share about their, their health issues and, and why they think it was caused. And they're not doctors or diagnosed, some make mistakes or whatever. What, what do you have to say to those um, particular YouTubers? I don't have to mention any names, but you know probably what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know exactly. What, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, those and 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 the connection. Like, why is there a connection between uh, the raw vegan uh, diet and ex vegans? I guess why is there there a connection? Well, let's 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 look at the raw vegans, or let's look at the ex vegans for a second, who cl- who claim to be raw. Okay, raw alignment, Elise. She's never. She's. She she's even claimed herself that she was never fully raw. Um, one video, she claimed that she had brain fog and 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 just you know having issues, and that it all cleared up when she went to a raw vegan diet. Well, then all of a sudden, for some reason or another, she got she got brain fog again. I you know I'm not a doctor, I'm not going to diagnose her, uh, but uh, several others that have become ex vegans. Who claim to be raw? Um, they're how, how old are they? I mean, let's let's talk about that for a minute. These are twenty-something-year-old kids who are life coaches. They're lifestyle coaches. They haven't even lived life yet. How can you be a lifestyle coach and you haven't even lived life yet? You know, uh, how can you be uh, a raw vegan and expect to have a healthy life and you're doing water fasts? just it will i mean you just you know the next thing the next fast the next fast i gotta i gotta do a juice fast i gotta do a watermelon fast i gotta do a water fast and then i say that and then you look at the vegans the raw vegans who have made it last okay dr doug graham guys 40 something plus years vegan raw vegan the guy's an olympic athlete um there's uh chris kendall with raw raw advantage Guys, 15 plus years vegan. Looks amazing. Incredible shape. Um, there's so there's so many more, but they don't get the limelight because they didn't switch over. They didn't switch back. And when you have people who continuously post videos and they say, why is my raw vegan diet not working for me? Why did I switch back? That's clickbait, bro. I'm sorry. You just, I don't buy it. I don't buy it for a second. Here's the thing. A raw, the raw vegan diet or the raw food diet is the closest thing to me. In my opinion, it's the closest thing to perfection. And I'll give you, for instance, our bodies are designed to specifically do what? The closest thing for what? Say it again. To, to perfection. Okay. To perfection. And the reason why I say that is, is our, our bodies are designed to eat a specific way. Okay. People, it's my opinion, it's my theory that we're frugivores, okay? Can we eat grains and, uh, and legumes and things like that? Absolutely. Of course we can. 
But you know what? We can also eat chicken. We can also eat eggs. We can also eat cheese. We can also drink milk. And I think that affects us differently. And um, to me, in my opinion, if you have people who say they're lactose intolerant, they're not lactose intolerant. They're just not baby cows. And then people say, yeah. And then people say, well, I'm gluten. I have a, I, I, I'm, I have a low tolerance for gluten or high tolerance for gluten. I'm sorry, low tolerance for gluten. I'm gluten intolerant. Okay. Yeah. It's probably glyphosate, right? Okay. Well, stop, stop eating grains, dude. That's, you know, don't, don't do that. People very seldom say, well, I'm fruit intolerant. I'm grape intolerant. I'm yeah. orange intolerant. I'm banana intolerant. Now that doesn't mean that people can't have allergies. I understand you have allergies. You know, people do, but that's usually uh, environmentally induced, uh, genetically induced, things like that. But at the end of the day, cooked food is dead food, whether it's plants or not. It's dead. You cannot take a baked apple, seeds and all. You bake an apple, you throw it in the oven, you bake it. You can't take that apple and go put it in the ground, dig dig a hole in the ground, put it in the ground, and it'll grow a tree. But you can take a fresh apple. Dig a hole in the ground, throw it in the ground, water it, and it'll turn into a tree. So dead food, or I'm sorry, cooked food is dead food. Raw food is live food. Now, have you know? do I have all the answers? Absolutely not. But I do know that when I eat raw, I don't have gas. I don't have indigestion. I don't have, my joints don't hurt. Um, I'm well hydrated. Most cooked food is dehydrated. You know, they cook most of the water out of it. You th- look at spinach. You don't think spinach has a lot of water in it? Throw throw a big bundle of spinach in a pot and cook it and see what happens to it. It turns into, it fit in your palm of your hand. It's because it's, you just cooked all the water out of it and some of the nutrients and all you get left is some fiber. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I kind of got off on a tangent. But as far as the, uh, the YouTubers who have went uh, back to... You know, a, a regular diet. Uh, you know, Ravana got caught eating fish, and I would have had, I would have had more respect. And I, I love Ravana, man. I, she was one of the first people I followed. Uh, her, her, her smoothies just, uh, you know, it was simple for me. And I thought, oh damn, man, here we go, man. I can make a smoothie. You know, here's this young girl. She's she's got great recipes. She's full of life. She's vibrant. Um, I can do smoothies. It was easy for me. She's one of the first people I started following. So I would have had more respect for it. She would have come out and said, Hey, look guys, I just, this just isn't working for me. I'm not feeling it. I, I'm going to go back to eating this way. Um, uh, this is what I think my body needs, blah, blah, blah. That's not what happened. What happened was is somebody caught her yeah. eating a fish. And you can yeah. see in the video, she took her hands and covered it. Yeah, I saw it. That's not, that was not due to brain fog. Okay. That was not due to lack of nutrition. That was due to, you got caught. So now, yeah. So now it's a, well, my raw vegan diet was causing it. No, I don't don't buy that, man. There's just too many, too many success stories out there that counter, that that contradict that, um, that claim. I'm I'm sorry. I don't, that's just what I want to touch on. I want to touch on a few things you said. I think um, really you're opening my mind <laughs> uh, more. I think uh, when you say, you know, uh, raw food is alive and dead food is dead and you use your analogy to the apple, that's great. I think that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think that uh, you're right about a lot of them being young and a lot of them 
I think they're they're trying to find perfection, um, especially if for an example like Tim Sheep, for example. Um, he's a good example because um, he is in like this this search for finding the most perfect diet ever, where he did, like almost like a diet that could make him live forever, which it doesn't exist. And his uh, he was at the you know one of the top athletes in the world in his field. And uh, living on a doing it on a vegan diet, so he was there. He made it. What what else do you need? So I think people are in constant search for more, for better, and they're gonna they're gonna try as many things as they can. And and they're what they're tarnishing when they do that. It's not just their name or their reputation. What they're doing is they're tarnishing the efficacy of veganism. Yep. Right? Yep. Veganism is not a diet. All right, it's not a raw vegan diet. It's not a whole foods plant based diet. It, those are diets in themselves, right? Um, veganism is just causing the least amount of harm as practically possible to animals. So I hate when I hear the word ex vegan personally. Uh, you were never vegan to begin with. Once you're vegan, you would you will be vegan for life. Uh, you don't suddenly say I'm for animal cruelty for today and I'm against animal cruelty tomorrow. And I'm back on animal cruelty. You're either against animal cruelty or you're for animal cruelty. So mm -hmm. you will always do your best to not contribute to animal harm, no matter what the costs are. I'd rather starve uh, than than uh, than do that. And and some people say, oh well, it's hard. Oh, I wasn't. You know what? Bring snack. Like right here, I have some pistachios. Okay. I always keep something with me. Um, that I can eat or snack on um, in emergency situations. I'm in Saudi Arabia, um, for goodness sakes. It is not easy to find um, uh, vegan food all the time uh, very quickly, even though there are supermarkets, uh, and it is still pretty easy. Um, but maybe I'm in the airport, I'm traveling, and there's nothing. I always have backup, uh, like the pistachios. So there's no such thing as an ex-vegan, okay? Um, you're either vegan or you're not. Um, you can be plant-based, uh, and that's fine. You could try a plant-based diet, and then you're off a plant-based diet. But you are—you were never vegan to begin with, because we don't turn that switch on and off. Uh, and I think that you helped clear up some of the things and some of the reasons why. And I think you're right. Uh, every person that is that's not vegan is looking for a reason um, to find a flaw in veganism. So the second that somebody decides that they're not it blows up in the media, but you don't hear the stories of the successes. Uh, and that's just the way it is. Of course not. Of course not. It's not clickbait. <clears throat> you know, it's not, uh, it's not going to get somebody to click that, click that YouTube uh, channel and get, gets, get, uh, views and, um, you know, controversy, bad or good, uh, is going to cause, cause somebody to click. And if you click it, uh, you know, the YouTube will register it. If you comment, you suck, uh, YouTube will register it. If you comment, God, this is the greatest decision you've ever made, and I can't wait to change my life and do the same as you did, YouTube will register it so, or acknowledge it. So it's, um, it's sad. It's really sad. And, and I struggle with kids, and I, and I say kids because I'm 47 years old, man. I, you know, I'm... I still feel relatively young. Hell, I feel I feel like I'm 16, and it's, so it's weird for me to say yeah. these kids because a 20, a 22, 23, 24 year old is not necessarily a kid. They're an adult, but to me, they're a kid, and they I, 
honestly, when I was 22, 23, 24 years old, if I went back in time, I would slap my 20 something year old self and go, what the hell, dude, what are you freaking thinking? Um, so I have experience to, to draw from and there is, let me tell you something, brother. I have, I have eaten a shitty diet. I have eaten a keto or not a keto. I've eaten a, uh, an Atkins diet. I've eaten low fat, high fat, uh, low carb, high carb. <clears throat> I've tried them all. I've tried them all, bro. And I've tried vegan. I've tried junk food, vegan. I've tried raw vegan. I've tried every diet I can think of. And, um, I can honestly say that I run at an optimum level on a raw fruit, mostly diet. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, cashews and peanuts and, uh, or, you know, nuts, a lot of, a lot of heavy fats. Yeah. Those taste good. But if I eat mostly fruit, mostly, you know, leafy greens, I never ever have gas. I never ever have indigestion. And my joints never, ever hurt. I cannot say that on a cooked vegan diet. I can't. Um, yeah. I can't. I just can't. And, uh, you know, it's funny. Um, I, did an, I did an interview with uh, – uh, it's out right now. I did an interview with Rebecca Rosenberg who uh, healed herself of MS. And she was vegan. She was uh, vegan for ethical reasons. And her cholesterol used to be high. Uh, when she became vegan, her cholesterol dropped in to below 200, which is where they want you to be. Yeah. But she never could get past 170. Never could. Yeah. She went raw vegan, and her her uh, cholesterol dropped down to the 140s for the first time in her life that she could, you know, that she was recording it, of course. Um, so I think veganism is, you know, plant-based diet, veganism for one, veganism, like you said, is not a diet. It's it's a lifestyle, and it's it's for the ethical, uh, for the ethical reasons and for environmental reasons, of course. Um, I think eating that way will help you health wise. Hell, being vegetarian will help you health wise. Um, but vegan is the next step. Whole food, plant based vegan is the next step, and I firmly believe that raw vegan is a, a raw plant based is the next step as well. And, and I'm like you, man, I, I, I'm like Tim Sheaf, you know, I'm looking for that, that diet, that lifestyle, that thing that just gets me closer and closer and closer and closer and closer to perfection. Uh, have I found it? No, no, I haven't. I haven't found it yet, but I'm striving and it's a journey. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you're really close. Um, and it's, it sounds like you definitely have a lot of knowledge behind it. Uh, and, uh, I think that you're, you're doing a lot of good things sharing with, with other people and, and helping educate them and, and spreading awareness because that's what people need is awareness and education. Um, and also being a good role model, good, being a good steward of, of, of best practices and healthier practices and, and all that sort of stuff. Absolutely. I want to ask you a question. What, um, what's something that you... Uh, what else do you do that you would say, how are you active with animals? Well, I, I haven't been able to do uh, much activism as far as uh, I would love to do, you know, uh, the cube and, and I honestly, I wouldn't, I'm not, I'm not an anonymous voice. Uh, you know, I don't, 
the people that do it with the masks, I'm, I'm, you know, that's great. It, it brings awareness. I understand it, but I'm more of uh, like Gary Yarnowski. I'm, I'm more of in your face. Um, I have pushed uh, my, my, my beliefs and I get a lot of retort. I get a lot of pushback. Um, I have been in a situation where I can be quiet and show by example. Um, I tend to get more questions that way by doing that. Um, honestly, my, um, I love debate. I love it. It's, it's one of my favorite things in the world and I am extremely, um, probably sometimes confrontational. So I try not to beat people up too bad about it, but I will promote what I'm doing. Um, I haven't found, unfortunately, I haven't found any groups close by where I am and I should, I should look more into it to where we can do some more activism. I don't, I don't go to the zoos. I don't go to, I used to, but I don't, I don't support anything with my dollar. And that's probably the biggest, the biggest thing that you can do that people don't know about is act, be an activist with your dollar. Um, you have a choice. You can, you can buy, um, if somebody says, Hey man, go buy me a pizza. I'm just tell them, say, no, man, I don't, I don't buy pizzas, bro. Uh, same thing with alcohol. I'm not a big proponent of alcohol. And somebody tells me, Hey man, go buy me a beer. Would you go buy some beer? I said, no, I don't, I don't drink beer. So I don't, I don't buy it. Um, so one of the largest, uh, you know, one of the largest and the quietest ways of activism is with your dollar. And that's probably yeah. the best that I can do. Is it the loudest? No, it's not. And I wish that I could do more. Um, unfortunately, I would not be one of those behind a mask. Um, I would be one of those obnoxious people on video that are, that are debating and I, and I, I wouldn't get too ugly. I mean, I, I, I like to talk and I like to gab and I like to have facts and things like that in front of me. So that's, that's what I would do. And I, I wish I, I don't know, that may be my next step that I go for is a, you know, kind of like a set up a little, a little seat out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, Steven Crowder does that, you know, he does a, you know, he changed my mind thing, you know, and I set up in the middle of somewhere, put a thing up and says, you know, veganism or raw veganism is, uh, is the best, diet there is change my mind or correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Or you know, you know what? I would love to see that. I know. Yeah. Right. I've even, I've even thought about doing a podcast, uh, called correct me if I'm wrong. And, um, that's kind of my next step is to do a podcast where I invite people on who are not, uh, like-minded. Like yeah. I love debate and, uh, you know, Hey, correct me if I'm wrong. This is my stance. Correct me if I'm wrong and let's go, let's have at it. So. Yeah, someone said someone said recently that I was watching, and they said, "Look, um, uh, when you when you're around like-minded people, and you just get so excited um, over things that are similar, you're like, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, you don't you don't grow. You don't evolve. And he says, you don't. when you take people that have different mindsets and different beliefs, that's when you basically sharpen your sword. You kind of sharpen your." your tools and you, you you challenge yourself and you become stronger and you become better and you become more uh, you become more uh, really sharper really and, sure. and really more in tune with either what you believe in or you might even change your mind a little bit on, on a couple ideas 
uh, you'll, you might change a little bit from time to time. Like maybe this conversation with me and you is going to alter you a little bit. Maybe open your mind to, Hey, you know what? I could get, I could get a little bit more active. I could do the things that I love. I could do the debates. I could set up a sign and have someone record me um, and, and those and post it on YouTube and, and that sort of stuff. And that's all I'm talking about. I, I, I can sense inside you and I, I always get this, this same sense with, uh, with a lot of people because I've asked this question a lot of time, a lot of times. And what the people tend to feel is a little bit guilty. And that guilty is, oh my gosh, I should do more. No, no. It's not that you should do more. It's ask yourself, ask yourself. Don't let me tell you. Ask yourself, could you do more? Maybe you can't. Maybe you're maxed out and that's okay. Maybe you're doing every single thing in your power and that's okay. Maybe you know what? You want to spend your free time on your free time. You want to enjoy your time. And you don't want to spend all your time advocating for animals or for lifestyle. And that's fine too. Uh, but maybe you haven't asked yourself that question. Sometimes people don't ask that question. Could I do more? Is there something else I could do? Um, and, and even like you say, voting with your dollar, that is active. You're absolutely right. That's, that is one of the most powerful things that we could possibly do. Don't sell yourself short. You're saying that might not be as impactful. That could be the most impactful thing that you do. We don't know the impacts. We don't know the ramifications down the line. All we know is, is that we have to keep trying and we have to just keep evolving, keeping better people. No, that's right. Absolutely. Absolutely, brother. It is. And, um, I do. Um, I always, if anytime there's an issue or problem or something uh, along those lines, I always ask myself, did I do every single thing in my power to make sure that that didn't happen? And if I didn't, well, then I'm at fault. If I did, then I did the best I could. And um, yeah, that's the way I have to look at it. And so I, uh, I try. Uh, and the only way that I know now is to is to vote with my dollar um, that I have available to me now, and I, I don't I don't necessarily sell that short. I do I do wish that I could do more, um, but unfortunately I'm, I'm not at the place where I can right this second um, with work and the way that that, that operates. Uh, but here I, I am in in Austin, Texas, and there is there are a lot of of avenues that I can that I can do or choose or look for. And I will. I, I think I, I, that's a good idea, man. I, I appreciate you bringing that up and, and kind of rattling that tree a little bit. I should get out there and do it a little bit more. And, and you may see me on YouTube arguing with somebody. Hopefully I don't get arrested. Uh, you know, get into an argument or a fight or something with somebody. But I think it's, uh, it's, a, it's an admirable thing to fight for people or to fight for uh, the voiceless, have a, have a voice for the voiceless. So it's very important. Very important. I'm sure you won't get arrested. Yeah, no. I'm sorry. Never mind. No. Go ahead. Go ahead, buddy. No, I was saying you probably won't get arrested for, for, for something like that, uh, especially when it's conversation, debate style. Yeah. And that's sort of cool. Oh, man, uh, you might turn out to like it and have a lot of fun, and, and oh, it could be the next. Oh, the I next. know I'd love it. I know yeah. I'd love it. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm all about debating. Yeah, it, it, it can be fun for sure. It, it can is. be fun. You, you, uh, you, you start to really influence people in a positive way, especially if it's debates for positive, uh, sure. positive movements um, and eliminating harm and eliminating social justice, and discrimination, speciesism. Uh, when, when you're fighting, fighting for that, um, 
it's uh, there's nothing wrong with it. For sure. No, no. You just have to touch. You just have to find the button uh, that turns that thought process on. If you can find that button, whether it's environmental, ethical, or, or health, people generally have a viewpoint on all three or on one of all three. I'm sorry, one of all three. They're usually environmentally friendly or environmentally conscious. They're usually um, ethically conscious or they're usually health conscious. And most uh, non-vegans are the way to touch them is your, is their health. Um, and unfortunately, uh, unless they are dying, you know, or close to it, they're living in denial, but that sometimes that's the only way that you can touch them and, or reach them. And, uh, you just have to try to convince them that there is another way. Uh, it's, it's extremely sad when their doctor says, well, yeah, but my doctor says I can't have grapefruit because it'll affect my blood pressure medicine. Well, excuse me, but you know, fried chicken affects your blood pressure. So if you quit the fried chicken, you wouldn't have to take the blood pressure medicine. You can eat a grapefruit. I mean, give me a break. <clears throat> so you have to hit them uh, in places that, for, that they're familiar with. And unfortunately, um, it's extremely personal to them. Extremely personal. Yeah. Absolutely. So, well, cool, man. I'll tell you what, bro. I know it's it's one thirty here. So it's kind of a, you, you were up to one, you know, last night and you're into the, on your end of the world and I'm up to one on my end of the world. So, but it was a it was a good conversation, brother. I'm so glad, so glad we finally got to get together and uh, and have this talk. Yeah, me too. I'm super super happy. I can't wait to see how this one uh, turns out, how it sounds, how it looks. Um, for me, I'll, I'll be posting on YouTube eventually, Vegan Luna, uh, and on the I'll, I'll post this on my podcast as well, uh, right. the Vegan Luna podcast. So where can, uh, you know, you've mentioned your podcast and your, and your, and your, uh, your YouTube channel. Where can everybody, where can everybody find Mr. Kevin Luna? Yeah. So the number one place that you guys can uh, find me, anyone that's listening or watching is on Instagram. I'm very active on Instagram. So it's vegan underscore Luna underscore Luna L U N A. And, uh, you can click the link on the, on the top and that'll take you to everything that I do. I'll take you to YouTube podcast, um, videos, uh, Facebook, all the other, all the other fun stuff and activities that I'm up to. Uh, you can see how my, how my journey is. I, I post videos about Kuwait and the vegan lifestyle in Kuwait, what it's like being a vegan, um, over there. What's the food like? What are the restaurants like? Um, what are some of the people I do interviews there? A lot of interviews with the people that live there, the people that are from there, uh, what their lifestyles like, and and uh, what it's like to grow up there, and and how the culture um, is, and, and how they're they're able to transition into a uh, more ethical or healthier lifestyle. Uh, so yeah, I share all that sort of stuff there. So that's really the best way you can find me. YouTube is of course Vegan Luna, the Vegan Luna podcast on podcast. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. I need you to do me one favor, though, while you're sitting there in that spot. I need you to take all that equipment down, get your camera out, and take a shot of that view that we looked at just a few minutes ago. Put it in black and white and post it. Okay, so <laughs> say that again. I want you to take, take your camera, whether it's your phone or whatever, 
All right. And that view that you showed earlier, uh, when you first sat down, take a picture of that and post it in black and white. Okay. Do that for me. I got, I got a good feeling, man. That's going to be a, that's going to be a beautiful picture. I just, I just want to see it in black and white. Okay. (laughs) Do me that, do me that one solid, man. That looks, I love, I love the look of that place. So that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. You got a lot of, you got a lot of cool stuff around there, man. Take advantage of it. You're in an area, you know, of the world that not everybody gets to experience. And, you know, photographs tell stories and you have, you know, a culture there, a people there that's, that not a lot of people get to see, especially stateside. And those photographs, yeah, the interviews are awesome. They're great. But the photographs uh, go a long way and they tell stories. And I think that uh, you could touch a lot of people with them. Uh, You know, just look at the architecture and some of the, just some of the more simple things and, you know, just a, a little old lady or something just standing there looking off at nowhere, a child, anything, just you're in a great spot for it, bro. Take advantage of it. Yeah, for sure. And you're creative. You can do it. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah right, thank man. you, man. I love what you're doing. Uh, keep up the great work. Uh, you've been a huge inspiration to me already. Uh, I love the, your tone. I love your demeanor. I love the way you ask questions. Uh, your non-judgmental kind of attitude. Uh, even though you claim to be, uh, but I haven't experienced it. No, and no. So, yeah, <laughs> um, I think that you have a, a huge bright future ahead of you and I'm excited to see what you do. Thanks brother. Thanks man. No, I'm, I'm I, I, I pretend to not, I pretend to be judgmental, but I'm really not, man. I'm, I'm, I'm easy like Sunday morning. Uh, <laughs> you know, so it's uh, it's all good, dude. It's all good. I get irritated, but that's okay too. We all get a little irritated sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Well, cool deal, man. You have a great day, brother. And uh, be safe and uh, take some pictures, man. I want to see I want to see that beautiful city where you are. I do. All right. All right. You got it. All right, man. Take care. All right. You too, buddy. Thank you. Peace out. Talk to you.